And we're back. We're back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I am one of your hosts, Max, along with your other host, Shreyas. And this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Network. Every topic, every team, everywhere, hashtag do you believe. Without further ado, let us dive in. Let us talk sports. Amateur hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back. You know, sometimes life gets in the way. And uh, a prime example of that is our consistent schedule being super inconsistent. Uh, so I, I, I am mostly to blame for that. Um, nothing, nothing tragic or terrible happened. I just, you know, got caught up in my own schedule, got tired, got busy, got lazy. And now we're back. When life gives you lemons. Well, yeah, I, I, I squeezed them and poured them in my eyes. <laughs> That's what I did. Ah, my eyes! <laughs> what did you do to my drink? <laughs> That's what I did. But I'm I'm happy to be back. And we had an episode in the mix somewhere, but it's so far back now that we're just gonna. It's done. It doesn't exist anymore. But we're gonna give you guys a recap uh, of all the basketball action that's been going on. Uh, we haven't been the best reporters, but I think it's a great time now to look back and kind of. Go over hindsight of everything that's happened. I would uh, say we're good reflectors, Max. We're great reflectors. We can oh, yeah. we can take the whole picture and evaluate it as one piece of magnificent artwork. Uh, without further ado, let's get the good vibes rolling and let's get into the weekly highs. The weekly highs. I have the weekly highs this time, and my personal weekly high is it. It's kind of a high, kind of a low. I shaved my mustache, which took me like seven months to grow out to that full glorious thing. <laughs> uh, and I have been mercilessly bullied ever since. But it's a high because it was so controversial. People told me to never do that again. Wait, they so said I were, look like Will Merciless' son. Uh, they said I look like, um, who's, that, who's that serial killer? Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, God. I've got some I can't even say on air. So it's interesting to see that that people just do not like the baby face. So I will have a mustache probably for the rest of my life. Wait, interesting. Wait, wait, wait. So they like the mustache. They like the mustache. And they're bullying you for the face you've had prior to the mustache, which was longer than the mustache? Yes. So, that, so they I, forgot they forgotten baby face Max. Oh, no, they never know. Everybody at work never knew that. I had a mustache when I got right. hired there. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. They, wow. They, if they don't like you at your mustache, they don't deserve you at your baby face. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> or they, if they don't like me at the baby face, they don't deserve me at the mustache. Right. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I know. So, <laughs> it, but it was, it was a high because it shook things up so bad. People were like, what's going on? You look different. And I'm like, hey, you did something here. You your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the hair below your nose. <laughs> it's good. You know, and, and, and the funny thing is, is maybe I really do look that different because I had I was I was dating this girl one time and I shaved my head and she broke up with me two days later. Wait, we shaved, shaved, shaved or like Not bald, but like short, like super short. 
like and the she, buzz, like the buzz you had. Uh, I, I went the first from year this, of our podcast. this long, beautiful flow, yes, to like that buzz that I had the first year of the podcast. Interesting. And she broke up with you over that? We were perfectly fine for quite a few months. I did that, and she's like, I just need to work on myself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I was like, I was like, you can just tell me it's the hair. You can tell me it's the hair. But I've actually talked to a bunch of people, and I guess that's a thing. So my mistake. Uh, well, anyway. It's like, it's like it's your decision. Like, uh, you know, sister, right? put a, I, put a I ring thought... on it before you make decisions about my hair. Right? I know. I thought people would like me for me. It's just the hair or the stash. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. My sports weekly high is hockey. Playoff hockey has been incredibly exciting. The parody is huge. An eight seed, much like the NBA, an eight seed has made it to the final showdown. The Florida Panthers, man, they were cooking. They killed everybody in their path, and they made it to the Stanley Cup. And so did the Vegas Golden Knights. Dallas Stars tried to make a little comeback. Couldn't do it. Uh, in the first game of the of the finals, you know, super exciting. Yeah. Second game was all Vegas. Uh, yeah. And I just think, I, I think this playoffs is, and I'm not even, a, I'm not a big hockey guy, but it's been fun for me to watch. I mean, these guys are incredible. I will say, I think this is the finals that's like, you know that Mr. Krabs meme where it's just like the picture of him swirling mm-hmm. and his eyes are like, wide open yeah Yeah. in two directions that's the bruins right now watching the series because one team has the coach they fired Uh and (laughs) and and said and basically had uh ostracized because the young players on the team didn't like the way he treated them or coached them and all that stuff um he was too hard on them right and now look how look how it's working oh it was so bad right it was so bad that vegas is now in the finals that's how horrible (laughs) it was okay and then the other team, absolutely, like, like what, like how, how do you how do you lose that series, right? Uh, it absolutely glad. devastated you, right? So, I, this is the Bruins like curse of the Bambino series right now. It's they also must be like that. They must be shook just watching because uh, they 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 they're actually learning how to play proper defense. Wild. Which is crazy to me. And also how to like sub out your goalies and make adjustments. Wow. <clears throat> anyway, it, it, the, the playoff hockey has been, been really exciting. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I love the parody. That's, love the parody. Love the parody. In both the NBA and the NHL this year. I love it. It's ruthless. You got to be on. Playoffs are a different animal. Yeah. It's about who wants it more and who's going to execute when the time comes. That's mm-hmm. it. All right, Trey, take us to the lows. <laughs> the lows. Yeah, Max, so I'm going to start with my personal low. And so I don't know if you've uh, seen on the news, but there have been quite a few Canada Canadian wildfires to start off this summer. Um, So bad this year that the haze and the smoke and the orange air and everything, all the alerts are going off in, in the Northeast where I'm at. And if you look at pictures of the New York skyline, if you look at pictures in in Massachusetts and in New Jersey, it's literally all orange over the past uh, couple weeks. Yeah, it's wild. And um, we have talked extensively about my allergies on this podcast and how every time around this year, around this season, I'm getting better from the spring allergies that I'm normally feeling. 
But then now to start the summer, I don't get a break. And so now the smoke that's coming, I get we're getting air quality, uh, high air quality indexes. It's wild. Like it's a big problem right now in the Northeast. And so hopefully everybody is staying indoors during the the air quality. Uh, Wow. Out like height and out, uh, out like, you know what I mean? It's the, just, the well, increases. It's blowing straight down. It's blowing yeah. straight down in it's the U.S. Blowing it's blowing straight down. It's, the, it's one of the worst in history. Yeah, it's it's the, the season has started off. So it's a normal wildfire season, but it normally does not get this bad. We, we've had multiple high air quality index days over the past wow. couple of weeks. Um, I've never seen anything like it. And you can just see you go outside and you can just kind of see there's a haze to like a slight haze. It's almost like it's foggy, but you know that it didn't rain or like, you know what I mean? Like it's just so weird. And oh, so wow. breathing that in, especially if you're sensitive um, and have, you know, any breathing issues or any pre- pre-existing Be conditions. Careful, yeah. Yeah. You want to stay indoors. And so, I'm doing my best to stay indoors. It's tough though. I wanna, I wanna take a walk, but I don't want to be breathing all that in. So it's a, it's an issue right now. So that's my low. That's my personal low. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Super scary. Yeah. My my sports low, it just happened uh, this morning of the, the the morning of our recording, and that is the PGA Tour, Live Golf. And DP World Tour, which have been, you know, battling each other, jockeying for position in golf and the worst sphere of golf. The players, the money. The player, the, views, the money. Yeah. Absolutely. They have decided to merge. <laughs> okay. In, a, in, a, in an astounding, shocking, right? Like, we don't talk about golf much. I think we've talked about it once. All right. And we went and on. We talked about live, like existing. Right, yeah. extensively when Liv when Live first came out, right? So we don't talk about it much, but even as like a golf casual, which I would consider myself a, a very low casual, this is astounding. This is shocking, right? This is something you don't expect um, in terms of the world of competition uh, to see two money making entities in a in a sport in a league decide to merge right this is like aba even the aba nba the nba was still much bigger than the aba and the only way for the aba to really survive when it was losing money was to get the merge to happen right so this is like you may think like it's not it's it's even bigger than that scale the yeah. reason why it's a low for me is because when we talked about live existing in the in uh i think it was last year when when it yeah. first when it first happened we talked about how the PGA Tour was had all these complaints about Liv taking, you know what I mean? The taking the money, taking the players, the contracts, impeding on their season, you know. The, the moral lot, issues that the came along with the, with the backing of their money. Yeah. Absolutely, right? And we talked about how the PGA Tour doesn't have a great history to stand on in terms of that either. So, like, where is their mo- sense of morality really coming from, right? With right. That. With right. those issues. But now, when the possibility of the merger comes about, it's oh, it's great. It, like you you saw you saw um Jay Monahan, right? The PGA Tour commissioners basically say, Oh, you know, there's been so much tension and 
you know, we're here to come together and unify Why the game of golf. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we? But but it's literally like, the direct competition. Literally direct competition, right? It's like it's like okay, yeah, you're gonna bring up the unification in, in the game of golf as uh, an over an overarching element when really the underlying element is that it's gonna help your bottom line at the end of the day. Right, we know it's all about money. Uh-huh. We, we we've known it's all about money. All the human rights issues and the thing like it's at the end of the day. At the end of the day, money, money is money is money. Yeah, yeah. And that's all they cared about. And now we know for sure that's all they cared about. Right. Right. And so that's that that just like it's like it's like you had no like it's pathetic. That yeah. whole thing that happened a year ago, pathetic. Pathetic. I know. Pathetic. And it's just, and like you said, it's it's so that the PGA can like stay alive because they realize they're like, oh, wow, Liv's an actual big threat. They right. took some of our biggest names. They can pay them huge salaries. We have to increase our winning pots so people mm-hmm. will just stay with us. And then we think about the eyes that are going to get drawn over there, whether they're just fans of the players, fans of the game. They just want to watch something different. I mean, the, it's also, too, the PGA has had a, a, a in, an entire, like, monopoly on the right, golf game, right? They, yeah. they have been the one, the only. And now somebody comes in with the resources to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, too. And they're like, oh, oh what? So it's <laughs> funny to me, and it's kind of ironic that they're like, well, I mean, the thing that makes sense is to kind of, you know, we're all going to just be one thing. But yeah, well, I we agree, know what I the just, real you could read between the lines on any of those statements. There's no white knight. Holy ground story. It's it's like you said, money is money is money. Yep. I mean, well, I guess the monopoly really continues. Well, now it continues. And now and now who's the you know, what I mean, like like now there's no way for there to oh, be but, a bigger uh, entity. I know, but it was also just silly too because it's like you'll take a player like Phil Mickelson and he can't play on the PGA Tour, but he can play in the Masters because he won, you know, because right. he's always a live guy. He can't play on the regular stuff, but he can play in the championships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The restrictions, you know, that they the weird had. rules. They had, and to, stuff. they had to backtrack that like almost immediately, I remember too, where they were like, they were like, oh, we're hurting ourselves by restricting all of these players, these live players from playing in our tournaments. From playing in our tournaments, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, it, it, it every part of their... You silly little goose. Issues hurt them, really. Yeah, their own mm-hmm. self-issues hurt them. So, so yeah. I mean, eh, eh, I don't know. Yeah, eh. I also don't know. Weird. Yeah. Weird. And I uh, didn't see this coming, but cool. Good for you guys. All right, <laughs> folks. Let's get our forks and our knives out. Let's uh, take this roast out of the oven. We're going to dive into the meat and the potatoes of our episode with the first thing being the NBA finals. We have the Denver Nuggets or actually the, the, the unknowns, the the who, according to the mainstream media uh, and the Miami Heat and Hemi Butler battling it out. The series is tied one game to one as of this recording. Uh, interesting series so far. Super cool. I genuinely thought it was going to be a Nuggets sweep. But nice of the Heat to take one game in Denver, which has not been done this season. So good for them. Yeah, I mean, I def I coming into the series thought the Nuggets were going to win, <clears throat> but I gave I gave the Heat a game or two in my mind just because they have they have it, man. They have the they like for the amount of people that said they didn't have the talent and they had injuries and. 
you know what I mean? Like all of the issues that, that they may have uh, facing what we thought were more talented teams in Milwaukee and the Celtics and you're going to say the Knicks, but you can't say the Knicks. Yeah. I mean, but like, but those teams in general, right. Those big teams, they have, they have such great team continuity and they have a team built around shooters, right. And, and consistent shooters. I would say that Caleb Martin played above his means over the past month and a half. But Struess has always been a great shooter. Duncan Robinson historically has been a great shooter. I know he's had his his issues over the season and he was benched and the contract will go awful. But, but I think that shooter's mentality stays with you when you've been historically a good shooter and it's showing in these playoffs that he continues to um, to find himself and find his role and find things that he can do outside of shooting too. I don't know if you've noticed, Max, but a lot of these drives are leading to points that he's making right. because he's making the right passes and he's cutting properly. And he's not just standing out at the three point line when he was losing confidence, like he did uh, earlier in the year and late last playoffs when they were playing facing the Celtics as well. So I just think that they're, they're the utmost confidence, the utmost continuity. They have the it factor. They have the star that regardless of how he plays, he does not, he's not shaken. He never gets shaken. He doesn't, he doesn't give up. And that's, yeah. uh, I, th- I think that's, that's huge. You know, you think about their, the one, one of the big stats from this postseason that I really like mm-hmm. is multiple comebacks in the fourth quarter, multiple huge. 10 plus point deficits in the fourth quarter when a lot of teams, a lot of players just fold, whether it was Jimmy taking it on himself, contributions from Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, all of their bench players. You know, Bam had a couple of big games, especially against the Celtics. You know, for them to be down and come back, I think is is huge. And that's that's a testament to their 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 winner's mentality and the mm-hmm. power of friendship, which apparently is is <laughs> letting them steamroll their way to the finals. Uh, <laughs> like you said, they beat, you know, and you look at it and the, the argument's always, well, on paper, Milwaukee and Boston had better teams. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the playoffs. Well, that's why we don't. Who wants it more? That's why we don't play these games on paper, Max. That's why we don't play these games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? We're not running through a like you know computer 2K algorithm. Two K simulator. simulator. I, I man, yeah. Uh, d- d- I, 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 I really am amazed by the fact that Miami has done something that is incredibly hard to do, and. Mm-hmm. They closed out that series with the Celtics. The fact that the Celtics came back, pushed them to seven, but then then Miami was like, yeah, no, we're, we're all right, enough. They just turned it on, another level. Absolutely. Another thing, too, Miami was shooting like 50.4% or something like that on jump shots in that Boston series. And, and they were, and Max, they were, the ball movement was leading to a lot more open jumpers. If you saw their open three-point rate, they're, like the amount of attempts they had in terms of open three pointers was like was one of the highest in the playoffs, if not the highest in the playoffs. Absolutely. So not only were they taking shot, taking threes and making them, most of those threes were open threes. And then conversely, when you talk about the Celtics in that Eastern Conference Finals, most of their threes were contested threes. They were they weren't getting good looks, 
and it was because their ball movement was mediocre to lackluster. Well, right, and we'll talk about them in a little bit, but yeah. Uh, props to Miami, and also credit to their defense. Uh, Steve Kerr just went on a, a podcast with Draymond Green and said he's like, I, I don't, I can't understand how Miami runs their zone. It's so complicated and it's so effective. And this is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And he's like, it's just, it's boggling my mind. It's, yeah. it's really tough to be. And it's funny because people are like, oh, it's just a zone. Just pass around it. No, it's causing teams to have a hard time. And we can see them doing that against the Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets, on the other hand, the fact that nobody has been talking about them, even as they swept the Lakers and made it to the finals, is right. criminal. This team is one of the best teams that I have seen in a while. Aside from their incredible depth, their gameplay and execution is fantastic. And I know a lot of people like to jump in and say, oh, well, Jokic isn't on the floor. The, you know, who really are the Nuggets? But I want to give credit, much like Miami, that the role players and the rotation players have been playing out of their mind. Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, and then you go to your top three guys, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Jokic. I mean, that is a stacked, stacked team. Don't forget about Aaron Gordon, too. I will. Oh, I, uh, Aaron Gordon. Yeah. I will Aaron confess. Gordon's been playing fantastic. Yeah. You give him his roses, Trey. <laughs> I will confess. Father, pr- <laughs> I will confess. <laughs> and that's four Hail, Hail Marys for you, sir. Um, I know you and you, uh, man. You're an well, Aaron Gordon do- hater, but you got to give him credit. This, well, you got to give week. him credit. You got to give him credit. Uh, I, I really like that. When we talk about the Nuggets, we forget defensively that they're really good defensively. When we, I think we focus a lot on their offense, but they have the great players defensively that allow them to stop really large runs from happening. I know in game two, that was not the case in the fourth quarter, right? Their, their offense got stagnant. Duncan Robinson had 10 quick points. And it really flipped the the flip the script in game two. But in general, I don't see a lot of large runs that kind of take them out of the game. I always feel like, okay, if the if the other team is up six, seven, eight, nine, ten points, that the Nuggets can always come back. Right? And then you, you may blink and then now the Nuggets are up six. Right. But the the issue with uh, but so I'll start. I'll go back to the defense. The defense is really built on having players like Brown and KCP and Christian Brown, right? Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and Gordon, right? They're really good one-on-one defenders. Yeah, yeah. For a team that has has guards that like that like are slithery, they go around screens a lot. They try to yeah. play you up one-on-one, like Jimmy Butler does. So the in in general, that's a good matchup for Denver. The issue with Denver, Max, is that I think when you take Jokic out of his playmaking zone, it causes the team to be left out of the rhythm that they that they have. Mm. And when we think about when we think about um star players, we think about them being in their own offensive zone and scoring. But with Jokic, it's really flipped it's in that facilitational. In yeah. that his zone is when he's getting others involved, that's when the team does really, really well. So he scored 42, right? And we saw the stat where like the times he scored 40 and plus in those playoffs, they haven't won. But the times he scored six plus 
assists in this playoff, they have like a massive winning record. Absolutely. So sorry, six plus assists in this playoffs. Yeah. So right. that's the that's the key is is if Miami can stop them from uh, stop Jokic from being a facilitating beast, right? And starting a break and really and really getting uh, people involved. They're gonna have a good time. They're gonna they're gonna be able to stay in these games and potentially make this a six or seven game series. So, mm. I think I think Nuggets in in six. Yeah, I still I still I would still give Nuggets in six a, a chance. Okay, I think that's we'll see, I'm gonna stick credit, with that. Credit to both teams. Uh, let's absolutely quickly talk about the teams that they beat uh, in the West. You have the Lakers. Not too much to say about them. The games felt close to me. Right, some of them. The Lakers are right there. The Lakers have a good team. I give them credit for winning the offseason. But the big question mark with the Lakers is, you know, think about Anthony Davis. Is he your number two? Is he falling into like a number three category? What should they do with him? Because we can see his biggest, uh, his two biggest like detriments, health and availability, and then uh, like mentality and availability in that sense because some games he is just he 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 could dominate and he just like doesn't and i don't know if that's because defenses are necessarily playing him any different it's just his own performance just is not there and i mean Trey, one of the big things i guess i'll cite in that is that i saw possessions in that lakers nuggets series where lakers get a defensive rebound push the ball they're in a half court set four on five. And I'm literally waiting and watching till the clock hits about 15 until Anthony Davis crosses half court. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, and, and, and these are games where he's healthy. So, I mean, that just effort to like not get up and go, I, I think is really detrimental to your team. So what do you, what do you, the Lakers move him? The Lakers keep, I think it'd be silly to move him, but it's like, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. I think it all is predicated on LeBron. And so if you consider LeBron a Laker for next year, I think you have He's to. He's going to Dallas, baby. <laughs> He's going to Dallas. I mean, I mean, with master recruiter Kyrie, we've seen him oh my God. Uh, yeah. do so well at recruiting in the past. Like he's like a- HR player of the year. Um, but <laughs> if LeBron, so if LeBron stays, I think you have to run it back. I know Anthony Davis uh, has an early termination option on next year. So we could end his contract for next year um, and give up the, I think it's 40 plus million. Yeah. 40 million, $600,000 that he is owed for next year and the last year of his deal and head to free agency early. I don't know if he would do that. Um, I wouldn't so, do that. What? Yeah. Why would you fire yourself from your own job if you have one? Well, I mean, consider you would say, He's not he getting that get something better again. on the market. Yeah. Nope. That's a, no, he's not getting that again. So he, so his last contract was five for one eighty nine. You don't think he gets that again? No. I think someone gives that to him. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. I mean, that. I think just based on name, dude, and, and, name, and, 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 and name, well, name prior, uh, Timberwolves, the Timberwolves are like, we got him. We got, we got our third big. <laughs> I, well, I mean, Hey, if Rudy Gobert is out here getting 200 million, Anthony Davis is way worth more than. Oh, Rudy you're right. Gobert. God, why? So, God, why? so that I mean, that contract in and of itself blows everyone out of the water. So, I think, yeah. So, I think um, LeBron definitely uh, his position for next year keeps Anthony Davis in, and then after that, 
I mean, you're if you feel like Anthony Davis is in the future, I think you move him halfway through the year. I don't know. I'm thinking, Max. I, I this is this Lakers team isn't going to last long, and I I, I guess you no, just they, think, they they really don't. And you have to either gauge and uh, LeBron's future, or yeah. or play for your own future, and that's something that that's going to be difficult to to figure out. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's. Uh... Again, they, they I really like their team and I like the moves they made. They just couldn't put it together. And that's crazy to say. Now, going over to the East, the team that Miami Heat beat, uh, Boston Celtics, one game away from making history and coming back from being down 3-0. Uh, you see a tale of two teams. Uh, and I, I, I said this before, and I'll say it again. The only team that can beat the Boston Celtics, especially the Boston Celtics this year, is the Boston Celtics. A a lack of effort, a poor, poor shooting percentage, absolutely no defense at times, and just some whack coaching decisions, whack rotations, and no timeouts in terms of just like weird mental mistakes like Jalen Brown dribbling off his feet, his inability to go left, Jason Tatum obviously getting hurt in Game 7 sucks. But even prior to that, there were some really not so great performances, games two and three against Miami. Um, yeah, two, he had like 30 points, but games one and three, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, just frustrating and sad as a Celtics fan. Max, I I think I think we've seen this from we've seen this from forever. This this issue never so it's next year. This issue doesn't continue. <laughs> this issue never leaves them, right? And we used to be able to blame the roster and how it was how it was created, right? We used to be able to say, right, they don't have a bench or they don't have they that don't third have a, guy. They don't have a good guard. They don't have good guards. They just have Marcus Smart, right? They've lost no, interest sure in the not. coach, and they the, like that used to be the the pre Ime Udoka, Brad Stevens end of Brad Stevens era was they've lost interest in the coach, and Kyrie was the issue, right? They had so many excuses in the past, right? Now, you have a good. You had a roster that had been considered championship contending before even playing a game. You had one of the best rosters in the NBA. Period. Right. So, what am I looking at in terms of the real issue and its internal makeup? Right. It starts. It starts at the top, and then it start. It starts at the top in two ways. It starts at the top of the organization, and it starts at the top of the team, player wise. And there's some issue there that they aren't able to click, right? And and they they don't have like a we don't have enough experience issue anymore either. Because Jason Tatum is 25, Brown is 26. Tatum's been in the league 6 years, Brown's been in the league 7 years, right? This is around the time when you're supposed to be putting it together. You made the finals last year. You have to be looking at making the finals this year. Considering the you've got your basically your team back, considering the road you had to go so up. Considering against you got your team back from last year with an upgrade, with, with an upgrade. Obviously, the Gallinari injury is unfortunate, but I mean, just adding Malcolm Brogdon alone and retaining a roster, yeah, is huge. Yeah, and so right? I'm really considering like you have to wonder if there's enough people in that organization that know how to win, and is that really an issue? Does like. Brad Stevens know how to win? No. Brad Stevens is not. Joe Missoula doesn't know how to win. And none Joe of the Missoula, players on this team know how to win. They've never been on a winning team. Right? They don't have enough winners on this team, Max. 
I know, sure, but I think the the problem, and I like I like the way that you're phrasing that mentality wise, and I think that's an issue. But I also look at Joe Missoula, right, and I think about the six or seven guys that are on there in the bench with him as the rest of his coaching staff. We okay. already know from the early departures this offseason that three of them are already like checked out. Three of them right. wanted came here to work for Ime Odoka. He left. They stayed for another year probably because they wanted their job and contract. And as soon as they could, boom, they're done. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they had signed probably a two-year deal along with him. They say, oh, he's going to be – he was here last year. He's going to be here this year. He gets that premature silence and then release. They're like, yeah. oh, we're just going to stay because he doesn't have a spot yet. Right. As soon as he's back, they're gone, right? So Joe Mazzulla really, I don't think, had the support of his coaching staff. He also, too, I don't know if he should have been put in this position in the first place. I think he's a, a cool dude, and I like some of his interviews. I like the way he kind of thinks about it. Mm-hmm. Weird, weirdo. Super, super weirdo. <laughs> yes. But I like that. I like a little he's bit of quirky. flavor. Yeah. He's quirky. But at the same time, you look at some of his basketball decisions, and like the, oh, figure it out mentality. Like, I'm not going to call a timeout. You guys got to dig yourself out of this rut. I'm just going to say this. One of the biggest things of basketball, basketball is a game of runs. And one of the biggest things you can do as a coach is to help your players by stopping a run. Physically, putting, putting a pause on that run. If you see the Miami Heat go for seven unanswered points, your guys aren't probably going to figure it out. Right. Take a lesson from Steve Kerr. Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, even freaking Tyron Lue. Mm-hmm. And call a timeout. <laughs> even Doc Rivers, dude. I think the Celtics barely squeaked by Philly. To me, they felt like they barely squeaked by the Hawks. And yeah. when you look at the, 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 the mentality of playoffs, we're just not there. If Jalen Brown goes into game seven, Tatum is down for the count essentially because he gets hurt. And he's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this all me. It's going to be all me. And you have more turnovers than the entire other team by the third quarter. You shot you shot eleven percent from three. Yeah, that's that's le- exactly to your point, Trey. That's not a winner's mentality. It's a letdown. It's a it's a letdown. I don't really care now that we say now that we know that um they've lost the series. I don't really care for the hurrah that they won three games of the three games they were supposed to win because they put themselves in that position. If they had made history. And they had won that seventh game and they didn't have the excuse of, oh, we were 48 minutes away from from winning it, which is bullcrap. I hate that. We were 48 minutes away. You had the 48 minutes to make you, you were there to make the effort and the decision to play the way you had to to win that game. And yeah. you basically shot yourself in the foot after Jason Tatum hurt his ankle because you said, well, our best player is out. And um, yeah, right there. We're not gonna do anything. We're so, not gonna. We're not gonna put up a fight. Exactly, and that's the same thing. You kind of like look at like the Bucks, and they kind of did the same thing. They're like, "Oh, we don't have Giannis for two games." Yeah, you know what I mean. Giannis was legitimately out. Jason Tatum, you should have followed his lead and been like, "Oh, we're gonna follow this guy to the end," because he's still trying to play through it. He still played. He I played think forty minutes. He played forty minutes on a rolled ankle. And Trey, you and I have both rolled ankles. It's not fun. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be able. To- I wouldn't be able to play 40 minutes. That's it. At the that's pro- especially at the professional level, right? So yeah. like you said, for them to just like roll over and die, it, yeah. it, it's funny because again, as a coach, you are supposed to control the way your team approaches the game. There was no halftime speech. There was nothing. There was no like it's do or die, right? You clawed your way back to this position 
And I watched right possessions in the first and second where there was just absolutely no defense being played. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's been the down. whole philosophy this season that, and, and we're going to get to a couple questions I have for you, Max. Um, yeah. And one of those in that, in that situation, but um, two more points and then we can get to these questions. One is that for some reason, confidence in this team does not stem from consistency. They play consistent <laughs> Or like the confidence in their team seems kind of like it just happens. It's like an aberration, but consistent, (laughs) but consistent play doesn't, doesn't feed into that for some reason. Okay. My second point is how they had this, uh, people said they had this knack for playing against with their back against the wall. Max, it's only a good trait. If your adversity isn't (laughs) self-inflicted. So like, you know what I mean? Like you can't call yourself your own adversary and say, well, I beat my greatest obstacle, my inner demons. Like you can't say that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that you have to you have to play to your best effort and your best ability. And when the opponent is giving that obstacle and they're break and they're you know, they're trying to beat you up, you have to get off the canvas for that. That's the real back against the wall mentality. Absolutely. So, laying laying I, those two to rest. I think that's great. And and just before you go to the questions, yeah. I do I just want to say I want to give credit to Derek White for not yes. giving up the whole series. Uh, and I, I'm sorry. I'm going to give credit to my guy, Al Horford. People are yes. people like Gilbert Arenas apparently are just hating on this guy. I think his defense, he is, at the end of the day, you look, he's 36 years old. His battery is, is not fully charged, and that gas runs out quick. But when that gas is in the tank, man, he is awesome. And yep. I love him for, for always putting in his best effort. Because he I think knows that his time team, is limited. The team did him a disservice by basically, basically making him play all those minutes absolutely, and, and not giving him the same effort that, that he gave them. Absolutely. All so, right, hit me with the questions. So, Max, the first thing is, and this is, and I want to start off with a bang. This is the biggest question. Does Jalen Brown deserve that Supermax contract? These are all off-season type questions, Max. Does Jalen Brown deserve that Supermax contract this off-season? He's eligible for it this offseason. He doesn't have to get it this offseason, but he's eligible for it because of the All-NBA that he got. It would be five years, $295 million, an AAV of $59 million a year. Do you think he's worth that contract as we speak right now? It's crazy to me that you would think that Jalen Brown would be the highest player in the NBA, the highest paid player in the NBA. Um, he's going to be up there. Yeah, he's going to be up there with Dame, one of one of the highest. Yeah, right. he's going to be up there with million those players. A year, sixty million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, I used to think thirty mil was a big contract. Yeah. Silly me. Um, I am going to say yes because as a Celtic, as an organization, it's it's you have Jason Tatum, who's a lock. You have Jalen Brown. You guys have had relative success, and I'm not going off of Giannis's definition of success. You get the job, you don't get promotion. You call that success or you call that failure? <laughs> anyway, look that video up. Um, who else are you going to have? Who else are you going to add to the team? What are you going to do? Like, I'm right. sorry, like Jalen Brown is, aside from Devin Booker, one of the best two guard, two, three guards in the game, right? He is a dog. He had a great regular season. You need a little bit more from him in the playoffs. These guys are getting... Older in the sense of like they are continuing to mature and develop. They have not hit their primes or their ceilings yet. So for you me, straight. God, don't say that. 
Hypothetically. Hypothetically, speaking. yeah. And even if I had another year, I don't know. I'm giving him the contract. Yes. I think I think I can give him the contract. Do you think he would accept less than the contract? Because no. when you talk about um, what other teams could give him, I think it's in the range of like 210, 215 million is the height. So there is a range in between the 215 that another team could give him or something and uh, the 295. That he that the Celtics could offer him. Do you think he would take a contract? He has already expressed concerns about not liking Boston, the city, right. and the fan base. Right. So you don't you don't offer him any less than the supermax if you I want would him agree. to stay would, in your city. I, I would agree with that. It, it does ha- it does hamstring your uh what you can do though, Max. I think once both this contract and the Tatum contract kicks in in um which will be in two years, right? When they are able to offer him and that goes in, that'll be like. That'll be a major percentage of the cap. Thank God we're a big market team. So that so what they're basically saying is you got yeah. So what they're basically saying is you have this two year window before the before the Tatum and the Brown contracts come together. They got to win. Right. The next the next uh, the next one is is there a lack of veteran winning leadership on this team, Max? We talked about the veteran leadership on this team being Al Horford, Brad Stevens in the in the organization. Marcus Smart, those those players, yeah. um, how do they change that up if there is a is a problem? Uh, well, Blake Griffin is a veteran. Uh, I don't know if that's going to help anything at this point. Um, I think continuing to work, and I think having just like a leader uh, mm-hmm. would be like just a leader, or like again, Tatum and Brown do their own thing. It's like a quiet leadership. I don't know. I don't know if having a veteran would or more veterans would make much of a difference. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think some I think a veteran that has won before could make a difference. Like has been there, done that type of thing. Right. Talk about like what you need to do. Yeah, but um but I would agree. I think it comes honestly from within in terms of the stars. Like they got it. Absolutely. Out. Yep. The next uh the next question is um is there a hierarchy problem, Max, in this team? We talk about this team, we uh, talk about Tatum and Brown, but we really have to put Smart in that conversation because he's kind of put himself in that conversation. Right. Is is he an obstacle? And this goes into another question of uh like is he an obstacle for their success? I love my boy Smart. I do I I do love him, but even his effort was lackluster. Mm. Since this man got married, he has not been playing the same. I will say you know, I did like I there were some games in the Miami series that he basically kept them alive because absolutely Brown and Tatum did not uh, but well. think about, but I'm going back to Philly and I'm going back to Atlanta. There's some games where I'm just like, Marcus, good Lord. And it's back to the, some of the same problems. It's like, oh, I'm that guy. I'm going to take this shot. Well, I, and when I, he talks I, about himself, he always talks about himself as the longest tenured Celtic. And that almost gives him. Which is him, cool. Right. Like he's like the president of the team kind of energy, which doesn't I, really help when you have two stars that are trying to. You know what exactly. I mean, like that's what exactly. I, 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 I wouldn't say the issue is more about his play, which there are some on the court issues that I cannot. But stand, that right? attitude that he's approaching it with the ego, I, I don't know if it's it will fit, continue to fit with this team, and it's right. not like an ego, like oh, like you know what I mean, like an ego in the sense of like what he considers his worth is, it just may not fit, and I don't know if that's something that can continue to happen because it just doesn't mesh with how Tatum and Brown see themselves at least. Right. And give me, give me the last question. Um, so the, 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 the other question is like, what is the first domino to fall? 
yeah. with uh, with this team. When we talk about Marcus Smart, do we think that you know they will have to choose between two of the three guards that they have? And oh my that- god! But see, that's the thing right there, Shrey. Is I would rather keep Brogdon and White. I would mm. rather keep Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White. Their defense is comparable. Their energy and effort, I think, at times is in their offensive consistency is way higher. Max, but there's a there's an issue with Brogdon in that he played the lowest number, or um, either the lowest or the second lowest number of minutes he's ever played in a season. And when you needed him most, he still got hurt. So, like, if you were to give Uh, him more responsibility, say Marcus Smart left, injury risk, yeah, would the risk of injury be higher? And now, when you he's he's out during the season versus in the playoffs. I know, and I can't think about that on paper. You're correct, but hypothetically, uh, I also think uh, get rid of Grant Williams. There's no reason to pay him the money that he wants. Um, You can replace. And they butchered they butchered him this season, didn't they? They absolutely butchered him this season. The fact that he did not play all season, he was in the doghouse for no reason. Yeah, he wasn't in the rotation, and then they and then Missoula basically was forced when he when the players said no, we need to focus on defense. He was basically forced to put in Grant. Like, oh, who do we have? Who do we have? And he played well. No, Grant. He did. He but I'm not well. giving him that contract. Old, oh, I'm not giving him 20 million a year. Right. I would give him 20 million a year, but I'm saying that he had he had a full season to do the same thing that he did last season, which would be a factor in the playoffs. And Missoula did not afford him that same responsibility. And that hurt them when they needed it most. Well, then um, it goes back to Missoula. So, and then that's, and then that's the last thing. That's the last question I have is, do you think Missoula and Brad Stevens' philosophies about offense, about just in general, their strategy, do you think that changes next year? No, I don't no. think it changes. Do I think it has to change? Yes. Okay, and I because I, if Joe Missoula is, is approaching, shame, right? If Joe Missoula is approaching a press conference after you lost the second game to Miami, and you're like, "Well, we won three out of the four quarters. <laughs> we lost the third, and we lost the game, but we won three of those quarters." That that blows my mind. And I again, you just saw me try to like defend and understand Joe Missoula, um, but stuff like that really gets me. Yeah, it really gets me. And Brad Stevens. I think his GM moves have been great. I think his philosophy towards basketball, especially when he was a coach, this dude, this dude is like, is like milk or like milk that has been soaked into white bread that has been left in the (laughs) fridge and that's served on like a white plate in a white room and you're in a straight jacket eating it. Don't start making me hungry, Max. Oh God. That's what he is. That's his approach to basketball. And you can see that when you have passion and drive to win, a.k.a. the Miami Heat, and you have a coach that can strategize. I mean, give credit to Mike Malone, too. Yeah. My guy, Mike Malone. Uh, and, and you have that whole team that wants to win. I don't know. You can see what you can see what gets done. When you have a team like the Celtics and like the Lakers that are big market teams who have been, quote-unquote, been here before, and they feel entitled to win... This is what you get. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing for me is the Celtics were like, oh, we should have won this game. Oh, we should have put in more effort. Brogdon kept saying it. He's like, oh, well, if we just played like we should have. You can't live in hypotheticals. You, that's you why can't you live have, in hypotheticals. That's yeah. why you have execution. If you have poor execution, then yep. living in hypotheticals, just it just makes them feel better, Max. And I don't really care to make them feel better. To I be don't honest. care to make them feel better. I care for you to win the games. Yeah, exactly. Straight, the last thing, the last thing that we have to talk about before we go is yeah. in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. 
The Lakers and the Celtics, their coaches as of right now are still on the team. Right. We saw quite a few major coaches, coaches who have been championship players. Well, two of them. One of them is was in the finals. Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns, fired. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors, fired. Mike Budenholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks, fired. Doc Rivers a, of the Philadelphia 76ers. Doc Rivers of the Philadelphia 76ers. He hasn't won with that team, but he is a championship coach. Yeah. All four of these guys, plus a few others around the league, are, are, are nobody is safe. And there is a coaching crisis that has been occurring within the league. How are you feeling about those things occurring? What kind of message does that send to people? And I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I think coaches in all sports get scapegoated um, as – and we, we talked about the Bruins at the beginning of the podcast. They get scapegoated as the the first change that needs to be made. Um, and that kind of deflects away from the actual on the court or chemistry issues that the actual players and team has. Um, so there's an issue there. Sometimes the strategy internally may not uh, fit. And so I get that maybe some teams and coaches need to part. But... I also think that there the issue lies beyond the coach. And if the if a team says I'm going to fire the coach and then run it back with my new coach, that is a poor strategy to have. Um, yeah. So it's all about the second. It's all about the second step, right? Say I fired Doc Rivers, which yeah, maybe it got a little stale at the end, right? And but um, but would I say Doc Rivers was the reason? And I made the meme. I was I made the meme on our. On our <laughs> IG and I'll do it, was, it again and I'll do it again. I'll do it again. <laughs> but, um, but I will say he wasn't the reason why they lost. And the reason why they lost was because of the effort that Embiid and, and Harden showed at the end of that series um, when they, when they needed it most. Right. So, so I will say that maybe things get stale and you can't like stop that from happening, but you can't let that be the only change you make. And so it's all about that second second thing, that second domino to fall. Is there a player? Is there uh, an acquisition? Is there a trade um, that happens along with the coaching hire or the coaching fire that that says, okay, now we're changing how our, our strategy, our, how we're positioning ourselves? Absolutely. I don't think the coach can be the only thing. Absolutely. And, 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 and I look too, and I look at the Milwaukee Bucks and – I have beef with this like organization for whatever reason. I, you know, the only person I like on that team is Giannis because he's Giannis and he works hard. I like Drew Holiday. Oh shoot, I like Drew Holiday too. But like yeah. Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Javon Carter. Now you guys, Joe Ingles especially. You guys can kiss <laughs> wow. my toes. Oh wow, <laughs> big Joe Ingles beef. Huh? Joe Ingles especially. So this classless group of no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, no. But here's the thing. I look at Mike Budenholzer, right? Bucks fans are calling him a literal terrorist because he doesn't call timeouts. This man has brought you to the playoffs five out of the five seasons he has been your tenured coach. It's wild. Right? He brought you a championship in 2021. In a season, might I add, that he was on the hot seat. That if he in did not make he was on the if hot he did, seat. If he did not make the finals that year, I still believe he would have been fired. With a very similar roster. Yeah. 
right? With a very similar roster. And you guys fire him the week that his brother gets killed in a car accident? I'm I'm speechless. Yeah. Well, and so that that is that's the toughest part, right, of that story. But I think the fact that you also said from the basketball standpoint that they've kind of kept running it back, right? They haven't made they've only made like like eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth man moves over yes. the past couple of years. Yeah. Right? right. It's like it's like what's Jay Crowder gonna do? What's We're going draft Marjan Beauchamp? He's gonna be yeah, Marjan Beauchamp. Like, like, what is his name? Like Lindell Wigington or whatever his name is. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, the, like, they can't expect to keep coming back when other teams are trying to get better and making those big moves with the same roster, and then expect to blame right. the coach for it. And that is the exact same thing that the Toronto Raptors did, right? They got a championship. This is the championship coach who has had you guys consistently like in the playoffs or like right there. Your mm-hmm. roster got so much worse after Kawhi Leonard left. Pascal Siakam took a big step back that next year. And only in the previous two has he been able to kind of get his rhythm back. Outside yeah. of that, you've got Fred Van Vliet and you've got Fred Van Vliet. You're telling mm-hmm. me that the inconsistent Gary Trent Jr., Thaddeus Young, uh, uh, Malachi Flynn, like all these random guys that you have. Inconsistent down, in, Scotty Barnes. Inconsistent Scotty Barnes, who could be a great player. But you got Yakupoto, which is cool. He's just not ready. Yeah. You fire this brilliant strategist of a coach because you're like, oh, we going to have the rap. It's not when I look at them and I look at the Bucks this year. It's it's in the in Philly too. It's player effort as much as it is on coaching game plans and substitutions. Agreed. And building a culture. Your players got to get along, right? The coach can only do so much. And for organizations to do that, I think that's crazy. Also, Phoenix, too. Look at that. Monty Williams has been here for three years. The Phoenix Suns, I don't know if you guys remember, we suck. We have sucked for a long time. He comes here his first year, takes us to the finals, right? The next two years, we're in the playoffs. Albeit, we suffer heartbreaking defeats, but I look at the Phoenix Suns, and that, to me, is a roster problem. Well, and go, that makes me think that they sided with Aiton over Williams, right? Oh, 100%. They said, because they gave Aiton the bag. They're like, they panicked. They're like, they went back to their ex. They're like, I, I can't find anybody else out here. I, I, I need to take you back. <laughs> And that best friend that you had that was like, yo, don't take him back because he's, you know, really not that good of a guy. You, yeah. bro- you, you blocked that best friend on everything. <laughs> they really did. And uh, they're going to end up regretting it because in a year when they're like, Aiton's not it. When Aiton's not it, him, in, in, they're going to have lost both of them. Right. And Frank Fogel's, you know, he won, he won the Mickey Mouse chip with the Lakers, man, but... And he's a cool defensively minded guy, but he's a great like second coach. But that's not, and that's not a team that needs like like a like a strategist, right? That's a team that that needs to live up to expectations player wise, right? You have Booker, you had Booker, Paul, Durant, Ayton, and the Nuggets basically rolled through you like you were an eight. No, hey, the Suns gave the Nuggets the hardest time they've had in the playoffs so far. But that's that's not saying much, to be honest. The Nuggets rolling through everyone, right. to be honest. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the the issue is that they haven't been able to get over the hump, and I don't think the coach was a part of that. I think they needed to run it back, and the issue really 
was with I think Aiton. I think that's the biggest the biggest thing is like he's not <sighs> playing up to his ability. He he he. All right, all right. So so before we get out of here, I want to share this, and and I'm gonna get these numbers wrong, but I'm gonna get the gist right. Mm-hmm. So Phoenix played the Clippers in 2021, right? And they played the Clippers this year. In that series in 2021, two years ago, where DeAndre Ayton was two years younger, with a with a with a much I would say, well, not a much worse roster. That was their finals year, but with a completely mm-hmm. different roster. Uh, he was averaging, I believe it was like 16 points a game, like almost 10 boards, four, four, four or five assists. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing a lot and he was averaging like four dunks a game. Like mm-hmm. he was throwing it down on these guys in that series, right? You go to this series, he was, he was barely scratched. He was averaging like, 12 points a game, so a big reduction, right? He was averaging like six boards a game. I don't even know what the assists were, and he was averaging like 1.1 dunks a game. Yeah, so the effort offensively, the effort defensively we know is already low, but it's definitely heightened when you lose a player like Mikael Bridges in that KD trade, right? And so now you're... Mikhail, he's ex- man. He, he, he's expected. He's expected to do more defensively, but you know he's just not up for that. So that's an issue is that like, you're never going to change him defensively. He is what he is at this point defensively. And they didn't really uh, get someone to replace Mikel Bridges in that defensive role. And so that, that was really, that was really difficult for them. And so we'll see, I don't all, all, all like encompassing the coaches aren't the only issue. If you make a coaching change, you can't expect that to be the only change you make or, uh, for a team, right? A major change you make for a team. And that's, that's all I got to say. Crazy. And it's crazy that nobody's job is safe, except for like, again, Joe Missoula. He's been re-signed to another year of his contract. Super Wee. duper. Wee. <laughs> all right, folks. You've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour Professional Sports Podcast by being on an Professional Sports. I'm your host, Max. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Uh, peace.